Hello, and welcome to a special crossover episode of the podcast. You can, our, my guest today is Justin McNeil. He's a comic and improviser slash probably multi-talent in other areas, like all young black men. Talked about a lot of stuff. We got into philosophy. We got into mistakes and how people can grow from mistakes because that's pretty much what mistakes are for. And sometimes you make them on purpose just to show people that their ideology might not be all it's cracked up to be. I'm not going to talk that much. This is going to be the shortest intro ever, maybe. I'm in Chapel Hill. Just got done recording it. And yeah, tonight, UCC at the Idiot Box is sold out, so you can't go. But I'll probably be there hanging out like Bill Murray. Shout out to the... The King Bill Murray, you know what I'm saying? No, you don't. But whatever. You're about to figure out what we're saying. His podcast. Ah, I gotta look it up. Back again for the second part of this intro. You can find his podcast, Humor and Mistakes, on all podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. So like, click, share, and subscribe. And thanks for being a loyal listener. To the Filuminati podcast. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we are recording. We're, we're here. It's it's time to happen. Uh, we decided to uh, combine our two platforms yep. and make it happen. What's the name of yours? I'm Humoring Mistakes, and mine is the Filuminati Philosophy. Where did that come from? All right, because my whole life, everybody been calling me, like, uh, the Antichrist or whatever. <laughs> Good. So like, like, just when you were born? Yeah. <laughs> like, ever since I was in kindergarten, people were like, that boy the devil. Like, well, I don't know. That's a lot. Like, your teachers, too? I feel like that's not mm-hmm. very, like, inspirational. Because I was the black kid who resisted, like, what everybody in the status quo told me what black was supposed to be. Okay. Like, I remember the first time I used to do, like, I wore, like, whatever I wanted to. I never went along with, everybody was wearing jerseys and stuff, like, Jay-Z era. <laughs> I was, like, wearing goth and metal, like, chains and spikes all over me. And they're like, you ain't supposed to do that. You're black. Like, Bro, well. <laughs> I got caught up in it. Like, yeah. I had the big t-shirt, the sagging mm-hmm. pants. Like, yeah. oh, I, I went full wanting to be black. Yeah. yeah Trying man. to fit in. And then I realized that not fitting in is what made everybody like me. <laughs> so I just kept to my guns. Mine was, I was like, why am I buying, like, 3XL shirts? Yeah. They don't <laughs> I'm never going to fit this. <laughs> it looks like a... And then uh, Andre 3000 played us all. It was like, you're, uh, on that song, he was like... Your your shirt to me looks like a nightgown. I was like, this is not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you don't actually have a gun to hide. Like they used to do CNN reports like black youths are hiding weapons in their big t shirts. I was like, oh, unless I got a heater, I ain't supposed to be like that tactical. Fair enough, fair enough. But I do do that on purpose. I remember I used to wear a white t shirt and khakis and dress up like a cholo Mexican. I got pulled over and caught with like, anything else you want to tell me? Because I had on suspenders under my shirt so he could see his straps and he think I actually had like a holster on him. Uh, I still get nervous getting pulled over by the cops, man. Mm hmm. Like even like like I don't I never know what's gonna happen. Like I just put my hands on ten and two and like please don't get shot tonight. <laughs> I do the opposite. I treat them like they little kids. Like whenever they talk to me, don't I catch a bullet. Not I, cause they they like why this guy don't have no fear in his heart. He's supposed to be shaking right now, and I just be talking to him like this. All right. But I, I laugh my way to, out of uh, tickets. 
I got pulled over like seven times in a year with like heavy amounts of weed. I like never over an ounce, <laughs> but they kept letting me go. Like enough like, to get arrested, but you're not going to catch a felony. Yeah, yeah. That's like, how you got to do it. On the way home from the open mic, I was going through Hillsboro because they always have like the cops got nothing else to do. And I had like, I was smoking, doing all types of stuff, but I didn't drink. So I, like, I would have blew a point zero zero. And they had a power line across the road. Some dude hit the power line because he was high on pills. And I almost drove over because I was ignoring all the flashing lights. I was—I thought it was a regular ass like fire truck on the side of the road. Like just keep going and go past it. And this lady, like, whoa, you almost got shot. <laughs> it was the hottest, like, shortest, blondest cop I ever seen in my life. All right, should have slid her the digits. Like, yeah. hey, how you doing, baby? Because the firefighters were in the back laughing the whole time. Because <laughs> I was wearing what I usually wear, like the houndstooth pants and a suit. And a trench coat, and like when she patted me down, I did like this, and it moved the bizarre weed <laughs> just out of her hand's reach. And I was like, it was right here, like next to me. Was she so hot that if she put you in handcuffs, you'd have been turned on? Yeah. <laughs> she was like probably eight inches shorter than I was, screaming at me. I was like, you don't know how much I love this right now. <laughs> this is free domination right here. <laughs> oh, man. So, what was, what's your first? Like foray into comedy. Like, what's your origin story? Uh, my origin story. Oh, it was my my stepdad, right? So he was never around. Mm-hmm. So whenever he would babysit me, he would leave on Martin or Fresh Prince, oh, yeah. and I would just watch it. Mm-hmm. And then I began as a kid to think that's how life really was. Like, yeah. so you know, how, like Will always had a short joke for Carlton. He always had a fat joke for mm-hmm. Uncle Phil. Oh, yeah. And you know, like Martin always had an ugly joke for Pam, mm-hmm. and like a light skinned joke for Gene. So, like, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. So I would go home and write jokes about my friends. So this one kid who's, who's still one of my good friends had a big nose. And I had, like, millions of big joke nose for him. Uh, big nose jokes for him. And then I started, like, oh, I'm just a bully. <laughs> just, I had, like, every insecurity that someone had, I would go home and write jokes about it. Because I thought, like, that's what you were supposed to do. And then they never had anything for me. Like, I'm like... My eyebrows are thick. Like, you can joke about this, but, mm-hmm. yeah. They couldn't hit you back. They couldn't. And I was like, oh, most people don't go home and write jokes about people. You're getting programmed with the programming. <laughs> exactly. Like, they were setting us up to be killers. <laughs> exactly. We paid attention. We let it absorb. Do you do you get worried about that sometimes? Like, uh, when you're watching too much TV, you're like, mm-hmm. what is it making me think about? Yeah. Because you're blanking out. You're just taking in all this information. That's why I stopped watching TV. Like, I haven't owned a TV in, like, 13 years. You want me to keep it real, man, about, like, some TV programming right now? Mm-hmm. The whole R. Kelly thing. Oh, yeah. I think I think we're being programmed. Not the, what, he did, yeah. what, he, what he did was terrible, don't get me wrong, but you know why it's a problem now? Right. It's because he's, he's done making people money. Yeah. So, so now the last bit of money they can make from him is exposing him. Mm-hmm. But everybody knew about it, and so when yeah. he was still making hits... Yeah. And they, they said they went and interviewed them girls. They now nah, we sign up to be slaves. Exactly. Because I don't fat life. That's a big thing in the like, bondage community. If some girls just don't want to work. They're like, I'll do whatever you want. Just let me live rent-free at your mansion, and you can fuck me anytime you want. Is he a horrible person? Yes. Yeah. And does he deserve to go to jail? Yes. I don't think he does. Oh, I think <laughs> I he does, man. Kelly t-shirts yeah. printed about now. No, nah, no. Nah, he still got to go to jail. It's just that I think it became a problem. Like, all these people want to expose him. 
after he's done making money. Well, like, you know what happened to him? Years ago, before I started doing comedy, at Ziggy's in Winston-Salem, R. Kelly was performing, but something fucked up about the money, like it was taking too much from him. Yeah. So he went on stage, he sat on students, kicked his legs, and let them play music off Spotify. <laughs> he was mad about something. I was like, I know something about to happen to him. Like, if you're doing that type of Andy Kaufman shit as yeah. R. Kelly, you probably, like, you set yourself up. Exactly. Plus, if you look at, like, there's a list of artists that worked with him after that he he all these allegations came out and it was because he was still making hits yeah. like so I, I never believe somebody when they're like oh now I care about changing the world no you mm-hmm. don't you want to make money and R. Yeah. Kelly's not making you money anymore trying to get that promotion exactly now I want to expose him because that's what I saw like when I was on the way over here on the X videos like new video feed they said R. Kelly Aaliyah sex tape three way I was like I'm not going to click on it because <laughs> she was 17 but everybody has access it's like 45 million views on it so far like everybody is parents criming themselves everybody saw it and didn't have a problem with it when he was making ignition mm-hmm. you know and that booty video with him just like he was just sitting in the chair and like some girl was grinding her ass in his face I was yeah. like everybody watched that we it, didn't know how old she was exactly plus I blame my parents I didn't make R. Kelly famous mm-hmm. our parents did yeah but all their music like, if you think about it even back in the old days when music wasn't like it is today it was still like teaching a lot of bad psychology to black people oh like, without a doubt like Gerald LaVert like never go you go. That's like codependent relationships that they're pushing on us. Like you talk about with Martin and Gina. Yeah. Like all the things they were making fun of, people saw that and they thought that's how their relationship supposed to be. He's exactly. like jealous and like being an asshole and checking on people being like, yeah, that's insecure. Yeah, insecurity. Yeah. But now everybody does that. They think if you don't do that and you don't love them. Exactly. Oh, I can't tell you the number of times I've like not talked to somebody for like two days and then they're like, you don't care anymore. I'm like, no, it's just busy. Like, yeah. I don't need you all the way on me, and you don't. Always, I don't have to always be checking up on you. Like, I, I'm just not the jealous type, to be honest. Yeah, because Gina didn't really do nothing. She's probably a model on that show or something. Yeah. But she's just like chilling most of the time. Yeah. That's why I like the thing about art, like comedy relationships. They have to be equally like independent in their own like validation through their artwork instead of being validated by another human being. So much. exactly like. The whole social media, like, I'm never going to be the person that's like, hey, here's my girlfriend. I love her so much. All the, like, that's just not me. (laughs) Like, if you need that, then you need to be somewhere else. Yeah. Because I don't need it either. Because I want to be the most important person in somebody's life, especially if I'm still kind of garbage and not making money. (laughs) Because that's what happened to me. Like, I get in a relationship not because I care about a person, because I want the experience of going through this to see how it's going to affect my comedy. That's how I figured out, like, when like you can see my pictures, like the girl, like, I always is like snapping selfies, posting on Instagram, and you see my face getting slowly, slowly like sadder. And sadder. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like <laughs> so I don't even like Sonic. I was like, I don't even want to be here right now. <laughs> you just get to this point, you're like, I don't even enjoy. I don't even enjoy chilling with you right now. Mm-hmm. Which is sometimes it's like, have you ever been hanging out with someone and then been like, I could have wrote, I would have had more fun writing tonight. Yeah, yeah. You spend like three hours and they don't say anything. You ain't saying nothing. I'm like, can I can I watch uh, Buzz Sport on Netflix? <laughs> She's like, you don't want to talk to me. Like, you talk about the same shit every day. <laughs> and oh, there's nothing. Man. You like went to the thrift store, got a bunch of books. Don't read them. Like she got an apartment full of books. I like, see you cracked one since we've been going out. So to to combine our uh, two shows, mm-hmm. mine is uh, so your show is about this the uh, it's all random conversation mostly. Philosophy on comedy life and psychology mixed all together with just 
irreverent humor. Okay. So mine's about uh, like mistakes and like people going off. I don't want to say like going down the wrong path, but yeah. figuring out life and then looking back on some of the choices they made in life and being yeah. able to laugh at them. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a very important, right? Yeah. Like being able to laugh at your mistakes. So like, I made hey. a bunch <laughs> on purpose, <laughs> doing so, all the right things in the wrong way. Okay, so tell me about some of those, like some uh, of yeah. the stuff you can laugh right, at so, now. Like what I can laugh at now, what I was doing, like you know, like they say like you had delusion of grandeur or whatever. Like if you broke, you shouldn't be talking shit to people that's above you because they think they can control your trajectory in comedy. So I was doing it at the bottom where I would be like, this is all the shit I see wrong with shows and how they ran. This is all this personality types is fucking it up for everybody else. So I was exposing them with like real scientific shit. Cause to me, comedy is all based on the adult child of narcissist alcoholic syndrome, which is like pretty much like Martin and Gina, but it turns into like a negative thing of the gatekeeper model. Like the yeah. people above, they think, all right, we're here. This is what we did to get here. So everybody has to do what we do. And if they do anything outside of that or new, it's like a threat to their whole like concept of having power over the scene like they call it quality <laughs> control but well to me it's like if you look at like i'm like legendary artists right mm-hmm. they all did their own path and at the time everybody like yo you're crazy like mm-hmm. but they did it their own way like if you know old, old kanye west used to dress in preacher outfits and yeah. do shows mm-hmm. and people used like yo what is that dude doing yeah and so oftentimes when someone calls an idea dumb i'm like maybe it's just a way of doing something you haven't yeah, thought about first version yet. of everything is gonna be feared exactly like the car versus the horse-drawn carriage like everybody's like we need to ban cars <laughs> too dangerous and also think like we're all in we're all rookies, right? And by rookies, I mean none of us have made it yet, yeah, right? Yeah. So you take someone like Bill Burr who can tell a joke about lotion and black people, right? Yeah, yeah. The first iteration of that joke was probably racist. Mm-hmm. Like let's just be honest. Yeah. And so, but he's so skilled now that he can do it right. Yeah. So there's no person who I think is skilled enough in Chapel Hill or who hasn't made it that can tell someone, hey. Don't make that type of joke. It's yeah, inappropriate yeah. because maybe that's the first iteration. So anybody who has ever been at an open mic and told someone to put down the mic, yeah, wrong, uh, wrong. That's I, what I said my first year. I was like, if you think you can tell what other people can and can't say on stage, and you ain't really did anything yet, get out of comedy. And all the women of comedy took that to heart. <laughs> it was like he's talking about me, eighty. Like, no, no, no. I'm just saying generally, like censorship is always a bad thing in any art form. Like no. you told Michael Michelangelo not to paint titties on the Sistine Chapel. We went to angels up there. Well, yeah, and I think with with shows, fine. If you're trying to make money at a show, then you should bring proven material. Mm-hmm. But at an open mic, yeah. there is no way anybody should ever be told to get off stage yeah. at an open mic. Like, Even on shows, I'm like, if you ain't getting paid over twenty dollars, treat like an open mic. And people are like, nah, that's not the right thing. So really? Yeah, yeah. People were just rebelling against all of my like devil's advocate points so I'll okay. take the opposite position just to show other people like an alternative view of thinking and that's what I try to do with comedy like make the mistakes be the person who's going to take all the L's or like the perceived L's and transcend and keep rising against it is like my whole philosophy on or... all my mistakes like me uh, that's my favorite mistake this is what I noticed you go to open mic you do a host the host do the same set Three years in a row, not changing shit. And my friends, I was bringing out the mics, like, bro, I can't say this shit no more. <laughs> Just tell me when you go up, we'll come in, we'll go out, we'll be cool. Because I can't fucking hear that shit one more time. <laughs> Bomb. And I was like, I mean, they been doing it his way. Like, you got to take all this shit into consideration. You better be able to enjoy it for what it is and not just 
But I was like, if you do run a show and you care about the quality, you got to at least put in your own kind of input or like try and do some work and make it kind of a just different like it's every time like having different hosts instead of trying to stick to all right we got one guy we're gonna pay him for the whole year we can't have no other hosts because it's gonna fuck up our whole thing because so it's like because it ends up defeating the purpose like doing the same pattern over and over again without trying to improve that pattern every time you do it ends up just making everything mediocre and it's like it becomes like a cycle of staying in its lower level of comedy consciousness like how people think about the game like i see it every year like you know how there's three tiers of comedy? Like, you got L.A., New York, that's, like, A tier. Yeah. You got, like, Chicago, Atlanta, that's B tier. And you got, like, all the other guards, places like North Carolina, Illinois, <laughs> D.C., that's C tier. Even though D.C. is pretty much good because they got, like, a lot of industry shit going on. But to us, that don't matter. Like, as long as you ain't in, like, if you're trying to switch tiers, it's certain things you're going to have to do, which is, like, I guess having a different types of shows, different little formats, switching it up, not doing the same thing every time. Because as soon as people in the crowd start predicting stuff, then they know what's going to happen next, and then I can respond to it in the way that you want. Comedy is supposed to be the element of surprise. Like, they're yeah. not supposed to see it coming. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I know this person's going to tell this joke and this type of joke. Mm-hmm. And they, they put you in a box. Yeah. And like, comedy's not supposed to be in a box. In mm-hmm. uh, no, no part of the art is supposed to be in a box. Oh, yeah. like, like uh, paint by numbers, like if, that's what they say about like algorithmic art, like how everybody can just put filters on stuff and put in an AI program and it'll warp it up for you, and that's like turning art and making it like cheap and easily makeable by anybody, so it's hard to sell. But art's not supposed to be easy. Like it's supposed to be mm-hmm. you. So your perspective, it may offend, it may offend people, but there's if there's truth in it, then that's mm-hmm. supposed to be funny. And and this over. This, how can you get offended by comedy, number one? Oh, yeah. Number two, everybody's realm of offense is different, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I tell people, like, I love deadbeat dad jokes. Mm-hmm. And I have some tough times and stories that I could tell you about deadbeat dads. Oh, yeah. And I agree that there may be some dudes out there, some women out there who may have gone through the same experience as I did yeah. with the deadbeat dad and, you know, like a neglectful father and all that, mm-hmm. who may not appreciate those jokes, but they need to walk out. Oh, yeah. Because me, myself, love a good deadbeat dad yeah. joke because i probably I, I have the ones that can ride with those like i think my dad my dad was the deadbeat dad of the deadbeat dad yeah. stole my nintendo 64 mm-hmm. and sold it he helped us move and half my stuff was missing like <laughs> and so and then i saw some of them in his house that was and, his investments he was <laughs> like this is like i'm buying gold bricks right exactly. here. Just, like, y'all can look at him while y'all got him but <laughs> that was the first thing I, I'd never seen him so excited to help us at all I'd never seen him around he's yeah. like y'all gonna move Let, I'll help he brought people <laughs> over yep yeah, everybody plotting I mean, he's just like doing hand signals like toaster coming exactly. it's a four slice they don't even make them no more exactly and then he was just like oh it's in one of your boxes you know how moving goes mm-hmm. That was a good plan, though. Like, exactly. He's thinking ahead of the game. You gotta get on his level. Just robbed us blind. Dead beat or genius? <laughs> genius. Mm-hmm. That's a whole bunch of free stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think that story's funny, even though, like, that's somebody I believed in and mm-hmm. looked up to as a father and at the time was painful. I get to yeah. laugh about that. Yeah, that's how you get through is be able to figure out how to make fun of stuff. <laughs> that's a hustle. Letting it hurt you. Exactly. I might be a stead, uh, just be that deadbeat dad to someone else. Go yeah. 
yep. go out there and be a stepdad and well you caught slipping out here on tinder <laughs> exactly <laughs> like oh i'll help you move baby i hate when people tell me that too though they were like i remember when they gave me the lecture a couple of weeks ago when they were trying to enforce the censorship at the mic yeah they were like well somebody you can they like some people or you might think that's not offensive but other people might not but like i don't get offended by the n-word because i figured it out it's like scientology Whenever you know what happens to you, how you respond to it, and it seemed like people want people to respond in a certain way to make them feel like a victim. And I was like, I never claimed victimhood on anything. Cause I was like, I'm the kind of dude that would just laugh in anybody's face who was super racist. Cause eventually they'll hang out with me enough and they'll change their whole paradigm just from exposure and experience. My theory on the N word is like this: like, so you take Martin Luther King, right, mm-hmm. and how how he said he wanted everyone to get along. Like that was well, that was one of his things. And if you take him and all the things he wanted for all black people, mm-hmm. I think he never wants a black person to go to jail mm-hmm. for whooping some uh, white person's ass for saying the N-word. Yeah, like, uh, he would never want that. And so, yes, you as a person may want to whoop that person's yeah. ass. But if you think about the dude who did a lot for black people mm-hmm. as a community, if you're trying to honor his spirit yeah. and honor who he was and his legacy, then if you go to jail for whooping a white dude's ass mm-hmm. and mess up your future, you can't yeah. get a future job because you have a record, mm-hmm. then you're not, you're not living what Martin Luther King yeah, wanted. He wanted them affect you. And like, just like a, like a sleight of hand trick. Like they got, where, got you where you want. So you're like playing chess. Exactly. Yeah. He'd rather you ignore it and keep on your hustle. Mm-hmm. And then maybe own a business and don't hire any white person yeah. that would say the N word, but he doesn't want you to fuck up your future whooping some white dude's ass. Yeah. Like they plan you like a fiddle. Like mm-hmm. then, you know, the puppet strings. Exactly. Like me, like, I think it's like either everybody can say it or nobody can say it, but you also have to deal with the consequences if you do choose to engage in like saying it. Like people who do stuff and then wonder why people snap on them. I'll like, well, you didn't do it in a funny way yet. Because Doug Stanhope got a lot of N-word jokes and they're hilarious, but I was like, anybody else try it? Like just some asshole from down the road? Like, you want to fucking try to do Stanhope? He got fucking Stanhope gravitized and it don't work like that. But... Like I was, that's what I always did growing up. Like people will try to project on me, like racism is a big problem. But all the racism I got was from my own black friends trying to tell me I couldn't do certain stuff because they're like, you can't go swimming, you can't go skateboarding, you can't do none of that, you can't listen to rock. I'm like, well, I didn't seem. It's like they don't even know. Like you know, that Death documentary came out like the like the first black punk band in the seventies that everybody else stole their shit from. I didn't know that. Yeah, nobody would have known unless like they would just kept doing what they did. Like we actually started all this cool punk shit, and then out of nowhere, everybody's just like, "That's not black," because they forget, they don't even look at the history. They just see what people want them to see instead of looking at stuff deeper. And I try to get people to look deep within ideas through comedy. And big jokes. <laughs> well, it's also that um, that you that you, you being a nerdy black dude, like mm-hmm. yeah, you grew up, you grew up, and I grew up where like you weren't supposed to be nerdy, and they were like, right. "Yo, you're acting white, right?" Mm-hmm. And then, but now as I think about it, I'm like, that's what they were taught too, and that's yeah. like self-sustaining, uh, you know, generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Like this is how we're supposed to act. But I, but I think that's starting to change though. Mm-hmm. Like more black black nerd is in yeah. like. Black anime is in like, but that was making me mad because I'm like, all right, this dude just did this a couple years ago. I'm gonna do this forever. <laughs> so yeah, like, oh, funny yet. like I, gotta get I was watching piece. anime back in eighth grade. You know, straight sitting there reading the subtitle. So do I get a little offended when these people, the black people, be claiming? I'm like, look, yeah. I was anime 
back in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know. Like them goth girls, I be seeing black girls wearing like black lipstick and shit. I'm like, you don't be fuck with that shit. Really? <laughs> so this came up on Instagram, you thought I was hot. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> yeah. We had to go through it. Yeah. You know, back in the day when I got caught watching Cowboy Bebop and mm-hmm. had to explain it to people or Dragon Evangelion, like... We always imagine everybody was black. Like, Vegeta and that dude with the fro was black. That's oh. And Piccolo. <laughs> oh, Vegeta and Piccolo, definitely black. Yeah. Definitely. I was doing that shit as a kid. Like, that's what got me into exercise. Yeah. Like, I'd be just outside just like... Just <laughs> thinking that shit worked. <laughs> oh, no, nah, man. And then I like Naruto because, like, I used to equate it to real life. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be like, oh, gangs? This is like different villages. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they throwing up hand signs. Yep, they doing they, they doing jutsus <laughs> over there. Like, yeah, so. Uh, so, like, um, let's see. Yeah, oh, should we pause? I don't know. We got hit a wall. Oh, no, no. So, I'll, I'll ask you a question. So, uh, when you when you have lulls in life, like, uh, no, they inevitably come, and I messed that word up. Um uh, what do you do? Like, what does Phil do when he's feeling down? Let's uh, see. My favorite shit to do is learn stuff. Like, that's the key to life. Like, that's what my... You know how they say I was crazy or whatever? Kind of got, like, shroom mentality since I was born before I even did shrooms. One of the things that I got taught from the universe was... As long as you learn everything, something every day, you're the smartest man. Nobody can ever talk shit to you because you know what the fuck they're doing. Like, knowing psychology, you know what? So I just started learning shit. I'm trying to learn how to weld now. I'm trying okay. to learn how to fucking just do crazy survival and shit, like make hammocks and build fires. Yeah. Try to be black Rambo. That's what I do in <laughs> my spare time. So one thing I like about you is that you always do your own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have your opinions and mm-hmm. I, I like to consider you like, a, I don't know if you're a moderate or Republican or whatever, but like you look, you view both sides and you pull the, cause I, I consider I'm myself a moderate. The black dudes, like it's fr- freedom and then say fuck everything else. <laughs> like as long as you ain't like actually going around murdering people, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> as long as you really don't fuck with what I'm doing over here in my own fucking space. And so, like, you uh, you just do your own thing, right? Like, you have your opinions. You're going to stick to them. You're not going to let anybody change them. Is that hard to do? Like, I don't know. I, my opinion is loose as hell. That's my problem. Like, <laughs> people think, they like, feel you think this one thing you posted this on Facebook. Like, nah, I was just, like, posting that to see what the fuck happened. Because, like, I change my opinion, like, all the time. Like, like how I go up and write on stage when I kind of don't have a plan. And I'll just kind of riff, see where it go. Then I'll actually write out a whole set and do it as a whole, like written out and what I way I want to do it. So like when everybody try to put me in any box, I just do the opposite. Okay. Like any kind of idea. Don't put Phil in a box. Like free flowing like water is what I go for. Oh, uh, what do you think everybody should learn in life? How to like defend yourself and secure your insecurities. Like that's the key to all anxieties. Like. That's what I had a lot of growing up. Just, I was insecure about everything. I thought I was ugly, and I started believing that. I kept repeating that thought in my head, and it ended up manifesting because I looked like a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I was like 250 pounds in the fifth grade. I was just like sad and crying and stuff, and just doing the same patterns. And like, what old girls like me? I was like, you suck, dude. You don't do that. You just <laughs> sit around eating Oreo cookies all day when you get off work or get off from school. So, like... It's kind of like audited in all your behavior patterns. Kind of black Scientology, but not with all the alien shit. <laughs> you don't have, like, the the machine that tells you... Oh, yeah, the, the e-reader. Yeah, no. the e-reader, okay. But I do listen to weird tones. And, like, I try weird shit. Because they say, like, your thoughts control your reality. And if you think on a different level that's so not can affect you, and then 
once you get to the certain point, you can start getting stuff to do what you actually want to do. It's like manifesting bullshit. I don't know. It's like, I read a lot of hippie articles. Okay, okay. Yeah, I read a lot of like self-help type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I only like people ask me what I do. I just listen to podcasts. I go to people's Wi-Fi. I download <laughs> episodes of Joe Rogan. I go home and listen to them when I got shit else to do. Do you have a second to tell your your Wi-Fi story of Phil being on your Wi-Fi? Yeah, yeah. what was going on with it? Did you see the Did you see the readout? <laughs> do, What's going on? Do you have a second? We were just talking about uh, Phil taking on being on people's Wi-Fi. Do you have a second to tell how you found Will uh, Phil on your Wi-Fi? Oh, yes. Ooh, let's see. This is from behind the camera. Go behind the camera. <laughs> um, we have uh, Bri Bowden behind no, the camera. No, that's not who I am on this. Okay. Oh, we have uh, Seymour. Seymour Johnson. Skinner. <laughs> Seymour Skinner. Uh, it's Bergesa. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bri Bergesa here. All right, ask me that question again so you can cut around this. <laughs> uh, Bri Bergesa. To the camera, please. Uh, Bri Bergesa. Uh, the amazing proper the case, camera, uh, don't look at me. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate this guy, by the way. Uh, are, you, are you pointing at the camera right now? Uh, <laughs> Bribe Gesa. Uh, Phil and I were just talking about how he likes to attach onto people's Wi-Fi randomly. Can we get a little load up. For Do my- you have a story about that? Well, let's see. One day, Phil and I, you know, Phil had helped me out with an audition that I didn't get. <laughs> really? Nah, man. Did you go for that one? I mean, I sent that thing, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't really try all that hard. No, I wasn't too excited. It was the IBM thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you on the Black IBM. Sketch Group. We Let's can get you on that. Again. Ooh! Oh, the eyes were trash on that one. <laughs> but, you know, we were hanging out all day, and then we, uh, we went to the comedy place up the road. And then I ran into someone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I a thought it was thought it was clear that Phil would skedaddle to yeah. his own business. <laughs> uh, I thought we all agreed on that, and uh, we went to have. Um, we actually came back to my house, which we're currently in. I thought you weren't even here. I was sitting in the yard. I was like, <laughs> "Where did they walk up?" I kept looking I didn't on even my get shoulder. to that part. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Hi, shit!" We like, came back at? to my house. We were inside for like forty minutes, you know, chilling, hanging mm-hmm. out. I walk outside. Who's in my driveway? But this man yeah. right here. Out here. This man, Philip Warren, <laughs> in my driveway. Playing PUBG, baby, <laughs> on my phone. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you could have came in. Hey, I didn't know. I, I was at the, I thought the Asian apartment besides you was your apartment. Cause I was high and I forgot. So I was like, the lights is off. He ain't in there. So I was like, they gonna walk up any second. So then, yeah. he's, we also were texting, he's like, yo, and I'm like, yo, we're at the house. Oh, I don't get notifications, I turn <laughs> off all notifications on my phone, like, that's the type of asshole I am. So we walk out, I see Phil, I'm like, alright, he's gonna leave. We go out, we get some drinks, we, you know, we, we do some, uh, some of that, you know, street type wear. Mm-hmm. We Walking come back to talking. the house, who's still in my driveway the game an hour and a half later. <laughs> I'm addicted to Phil video games. Warren. That's why I don't want the internet. I just sit in my house She's and play like, all day. Why is Phil still in your driveway? I'm like, that's Phil. <laughs> Using my Wi-Fi. Yep, PUBG. I didn't even put the Wi-Fi together. I was more mad he was 
I wasn't mad, but I was like, I should have parked in the. Why back. are you here? Yeah, <laughs> would it reach if I was like in the grass in the back, or was it too wet? I would have got stuck going down to the dirt. Should have went to Tori's house. Yeah, they got faster Wi-Fi. <laughs> she got you got Damn, like, <laughs> my yep. after trashing my yeah, you router ain't shit, son. Step your router game I mean, up, he's bro. Not wrong. Yeah, they got like, up here, I have to use my own data. Yeah, word, bro. If you get a if you get a router, I can hook you up. Yeah, thick ass floors though. Like Wait, they, a router with. A router, you can do it. Oh wow! I can hook you up. Wait, I just did it at uh, the place I'm staying at now. I told them I didn't like their router, and could I attach my own router to their router? And so they have their own Wi-Fi. I have mine. Oh, I have a router. Yeah, it's what I did uh, back at my old place. Oh wow! You yeah. know one of those bands, those things that split the signals to like a bunch of different frequency ranges. Nah, man, it, it's the same signal. It just boosted. The way I have it set up, and you just have your own uh, network, and he can have his own network, and they'll see it, but they can't log in. Or if you just want to keep it private, Mm -hmm. then I can set it up to where only you see it. Well, the thing is, they attach to the cable. Oh, I do have one up here. Yeah, Google Fiber? Because they got fiber. That's the dude trying to sell me an AT&T. Fiber, man. I don't know if they have it in this neighborhood. Yeah, I can hook you up. Yeah, I mean, let's talk. Yeah, we can talk business. Yeah. yeah. We might have to edit this part out. We're just talking Wi-Fi nah, game. That's good. People, well, people need to know this. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so what are, what are some other things you can laugh at? Like you talked about yeah. being your own person as yeah. a kid. Uh, what is a, a mistake that Phil made that he's just like? Oh, yeah. I was super codependent. This is what happened. I locked in. I had this best friend. Like she was like girl who had a similar shitty childhood her mom left when she was nine so so we started drinking when we was 15 years old like we used to figure out people like girls that were in high school would date like 27 year olds we get our boyfriend to buy us alcohol so i started just being like a 15 year old drunk and crying and depressed all the time i followed her i like stuck and i was like if i get out of high school i ain't gonna meet no other women so i gotta do whatever i gotta do to get this bitch to fucking be my pity fuck or whatever. <laughs> so I used to just go around like, cause I knew she was a hoe, so I was just like, okay, whatever. That's Which we that. don't have a problem with. Yeah, we don't have any problem with it, it's cool. Just, but she would date dudes she hated just to cuck them. Like, she was like, all right, this dude got a sweet ass house, I'm gonna date him, but I don't fuck all of his friends. And all of his friends know, so they all talking shit about him. And I'm like, well, so I told, I'll tell the dude, I'm like, bro, you better watch out for your bitch. I used to always do it. Like, every time she about to start a new relationship, I'd be like, hey, watch out, bro, because she just trying to use Oh, you. you would sabotage Yeah, it? I sabotage, like, every relationship. But she would do it right back to me. She like, feel like I was dating some girl or whatever, and uh, I don't know what the fuck. It was, like, the weird shit. Oh, yeah, we were just drunken back in the old days, but I could have accidentally got me too if I would have kept playing around. Cause I was like... <laughs> But yeah, I just had to give up that because me trying to control this one person because I had narcissist alcoholic shit and like abandonment and codependent. Like we wouldn't do shit without each other. Like if we go somewhere, we'd always go to the same bars. We'd drink every day of the, or every weekday of the weekend and go back to high school. And it was a shitty pattern and I got stuck doing it. Well, but I made, thought I had to do it because I didn't think of life outside of what high school was. What made, well, high school crushes suck. Mm-hmm. You, it's not gonna work out. Like I just could. I had a high school crush. I was like, uh, her name was. I'll just say it, Morgan. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I could understand. I was like, why doesn't she like me? Just like <laughs> yeah. that. That you're trying to do everything. Worse things, to, like you be like, all right, I got shoulders and like I'll be, be working out a little bit, and then it do be like four hundred pounds and like acne all over, and like a bold cut. Like what the fuck going on here? When she liked the bad boys, I'd be like. 
do I need to be bad too? Like, mm-hmm. do I need to, do I need to take being a gang? Do I need to be uh, a, a, a hard dude? A hard dude? Like, I like to talk it out. See Maybe if we can make things work. For yeah, no reason. exactly. Just for a girl. Uh, but what happened? Like, how did you get away? All right, that's what happened. One day, one of my friends that was like mutual friends with her, he's like, "Bruh, I got some shrooms over here," and I was like, "Okay." And I just ate a whole handful. I started walking around downtown Greensboro on Spring Garden. And then a voice came out of nowhere. It was like, why are you afraid of anything? Why are you so sad? You ain't got no reason to be afraid of anybody. Go talk to these girls. And I went out. I was like, you guys are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen ever. And they just started laughing. And then it was like, yeah, you don't need to be drunk to do this. And I was like, yeah, I don't need to be drunk. And I started crying. <laughs> just on shrooms. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, everything's beautiful. Then I had a meeting up with her. And that was the last night we hung out. Like, I was like, I got to make a decision right now. I can either do what I've always been doing or change and try to make myself better. And then just pick up all the chicks I want and start getting hot. And I lost like 80 some pounds and just started doing comedy. Cause that's what a voice told me too. Like, you ain't got no reason to get any pussy right now because you ain't doing shit. So you need to do some art outside of your normal job to make yourself happy and validate it with your own stuff that you're creating. And then she started doing it too. Like, we both went on separate paths, but she ended up just doing the same shit she did in high school and she ended up moving here. So I was like, I'm gonna accidentally run into her one day at a comedy <laughs> show. She's like a DJ occasionally. What was that hard? Like, or you just didn't look back? Nah, yeah, I cut it off instantly. I accidentally saw her when David Bowie died because it was an open mic right across the street from like a gay club. They were having like a David Bowie ball for his funeral or whatever. And she just walked across the street. I was like, oh shit. I was like, having like PTSD. My heart started beating. But I was like, nah, it's cool. But, um. Well, you done lost 80 pounds. You probably could pull her now, man. Just, nah. Because uh. I was just like. I mean, I could, but I was like, I don't like going back in the past, like having no regrets and never yeah. thinking about stuff and judging it. I try to be less judgmental as possible. Cause I used to judge a lot of stuff. I judge myself even worse. Or I didn't judge myself. Cause like, I suck too. Even though the dude's worse, I can just make myself better and then not have to worry about what anybody else think about me because I know what I'm doing. Because what happened was, this is what happened. The last thing that really made me broke the back... We was playing some music in the car. I was like, this fucking song sucks. There's like some Drake B cuts. Like the Drake songs you ain't supposed to listen to. I just turned the music off. And she grabbed the wheel while we was going on the road. And the car like fucking swerved. Did you turn down the music? Yeah, it was my car. I was like, it's mine, Paul. I just hit the one button. And she kept turning back up and screaming at me. I was like, this is a dumbass relationship. We don't even like each other. We say we're best friends, but we really hate each other. Like we just be fucking each other up. And then uh, the next week, I, she went to my first comedy show. And I was like, I got a great response. I was like, this is great. I don't have to care about what she think at all. Cause like people was coming up to me. I was like, and then I just never saw her again. Okay. Damn. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. Like, is mm-hmm. that what you think you gotta do? Just sometimes if your life is not going right, just yep, just, just do a quick <laughs> <the> handbrake. <laughs> Hit that uh, Grand Theft Auto turn <laughs> and just keep going. Slide it in. Exactly. But I, like, I hope everybody doing better. But we had also my best friend Lance in high school. He was he actually dated her and she went out with him. All she was talking shit about him, like everything else. But he kept going the path that I'm gonna drink myself to fucking sleep every day. And he died like in October. And I was we were gonna meet at the funeral because she was gonna go like all of his friends. But ended up, nobody ended up showing up except for me and like the girl that liked him that like secretly but never told him. So it's weird, yeah. I, was, I could have been him. I could have been dead, like, before I did comedy. Like, at 23, I was really, like, puking up black shit. Like, I was dead. Like, I had, like, my face was swollen, diabetic, and, like, yeah. 
Damn, you don't even drink now, do you? Really? Barely. Okay. I drink like one beer just for the flavor and look cool. Okay. I get like a snifter. I get like a little taster cup. <laughs> sip it on the taste. The one you can get for free. Like, yeah. hey, I want to taste that IPA over there. Let me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you I had a raspberry it? cranberry mix IPA yesterday. It was pretty good. Oh, where? But it was a Dirty Bull. Okay. Yeah. Key lime pie. They had good beers, but I'm like, I ain't gonna be doing like I used to do. I can feel it. If I drink one beer now, I get buzzed instantly. Oh, I'm really? really fucked up. So there's, there's this part of the podcast I really want you to do, and I'm going <coughs> I'm to add it in later. So, But what I want you to do is I do motivation. I do I make people do a motivational speech. Oh, yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on some music for you. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I'm going to play it through the headphones. Oh, yeah. And I want you to give a motivational speech to, pe- to the people. <laughs> I've been preparing for this my whole life. Oh, you've been preparing <laughs> for it for your whole life? Let me find my book bag. <coughs> we'll edit all this part out. Can they talk about like representation for like black people or whatever? Like we need examples. Mm-hmm. So all you do is just be the rock. Like do whatever the rock does and your life is gonna be like ten times better. Oh he works hard. Mm-hmm. Real hard. Well, I was like, what would have happened if I never did comedy? Like, if I never decided to start going to open mics and just kept hanging out? I'd probably been, like... Dead? Yeah. Still got some demons to get rid of from that time. But she was the reason I went fake gay for so many years. Oh, you went fake gay? Yeah. How was that? This is what happened. I was oh, like, Oh, I gotta hear this story. You might have to put the motivational speech on hold for a sec. No, like I was at her ninth or eighteenth birthday party and I was nineteen and I was like, I still a fucking virgin right now. I was like, I, I gotta at least cause she was hanging out with a bunch of gay dudes, so I was like, alright, viral marketing. Maybe if I find one of them because really he came to me. He was like, Somebody at this party really likes you, but you're not gay. I was like, oh, wait a second. And then I kissed him. I was like, this is not that bad. And I was like, he shaved his face. It ain't that fucking prickly. I was like, he looked like kind of like Rihanna. He like half Puerto Rican, half Italian. It was a good mix. So how does... <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't enjoy it? I'm not. Yeah, it took me like 30 times of like engaging in that activity before I even could like have an actual finish. So I was like, nah. It's really not. But I was just doing it. I was like, she's so progressive and acting like she's liberal and stuff. Like maybe it's going to impress her. Cause all the dudes is like, bro, Phil keeps throwing down. I don't know what it is, but it's nerd race. But he got like <laughs> the best fucking stroke game in the I've ever seen. And I, and I was like, all right, tell all the women you know about it. So I was like, you can like tell her like I got a mean stroke. <laughs> so you just wanted to seem open, like you yeah, were down like, for anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, well, if you won't fuck me, I'll fuck all your friends way better. <laughs> and then they were like. Then she just turned that shit on me even more. Like, feels gay. I'm like, no, no, I was doing that shit for you. I'm <laughs> doing it for you. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I have the uh, I have the music ready. Mm-hmm. Here are the headphones. Is this Rocky? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And then uh, when you hear the music, you start the speech. Let me know when you're ready. Mm-hmm. You ready? You ready? What's the jams? Oh, you're hearing jams? Not yet. Oh. I guess. Friends, relations, other human beings. There's a time in our lives when we must let go 
of what the world wants us to think. So many people have fear. So many people have fake problems that are projected on them by society. But if you just transcend the game, because the key to life really is fuck bitches, get money. <laughs> but if you listen to enough rap music, all your problems will be solved. Birdman style. Like what you do is figure out what type of bars you need to spit in any avenue. It could be baking cakes. It could be mowing yards. It could be uh, washing dishes for other people occasionally. <laughs> like whatever you got to do. Just stack bands, do exercise, then use that money to pay the government off like the Jews did. That's that's what we, that's what we can learn from these days. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I wrote out an actual motivational speech for somebody. Oh, you did? I got a preamble in my Illuminati book. So that would, uh, yes. that's your speech to some middle school kids. Yeah, fuck bitches get fuck, money. Fuck, fuck bitches get money. <laughs> but not actually fuck them. It's like the metaphorical thing of fucking and like, eschew them. Like, because like what I do now is like my celibacy thing about like getting so hot that you can draw all the women you want and then just ignore them because that makes them like get angry or want you even more it's kind of like law of attraction because they keep trying harder and harder to get your attention but just as soon as you go Jedi mind trick like I can't see anything like I'm like the monkeys with the ears and the mouth and eyes covered that's the best way to live well it's it's because they don't understand because they're so used to as soon as they are interested in a guy he's usually interested in him Mm -hmm. or they can have him so you're like the mystery yeah you're messing up you're messing with their mind man Mm -hmm. That was another thing I learned in high school about girls. Like the girls I was hanging out with, they would use being drunk as an excuse for why they were a whore. Instead of really saying, I want to have sex with somebody and not care about what other people thought. Yeah. They cared about what people thought so much that they had to put themselves in a dangerous situation where alcohol it was socially acceptable. And but not acknowledge the fact that if all they had to do was communicate properly, they would never have that problem. Like that's what I used to tell dudes they would call girls sluts and whores I'm like honestly girls want to have sex just as much as you do and when you label it that way and when you're like shaming them for doing that you're actually messing up your own like on a macro scale Mm -hmm. you're messing up your ability to have sex like if women could just be 100% open like I feel like having sex today Mm -hmm. then every dudes would benefit from that like they have to hide it it's like the focus on the microaggression they think like being called a whore is socially like bad, but if they would just ignore like the whatever the approach of opinions that everybody else they can just get what they want and not have any problems. Cause that's what happens. Like I that girl that I was chasing, she said she gave me many many opportunities to bang her. I was like I didn't want it like that. Cause I, like, I want to do it on a just say it out explicitly and like enthusiastic consent instead of just trying to get me to pull my dick out. Cause that's what her big problem was. She's like, you didn't do anything. All the other guys pulled their dick out. I was like, well, I'm trying to be nice over here. I, I was raised by a Southern Baptist lady. <laughs> I was like, we got, we got uh, standards over here. <laughs> so anything you want to leave the people with? Yes. Disassociate from society. That's the key. Like They call that a mental illness, like disassociated personality disorder. But the more you disassociate from the memes and ideas and patterns that people try to make you replicate, the more happy you're going to be because you're not going to be caught up in that whole whirlwind of like ideological determinism and like absolutist thoughts about how you're supposed to be perceived by other people. 
Because you're just living to make your own self happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's like the greatest life ever. I've pretty much been doing that, but then I thought I had to be a normal person and care about other people's problems and look at the news during high school. And I was like, some people get stuck in their high school mode forever. And graduating from high school, you gotta, you gotta graduate from your old self and make a new person. But most people think the only way you're gonna do that is through college and stuff. So life gotta be your teacher. Like, do something that's outside of your whole comfort zone. That's the only way you can figure out how to get comfortable and then be more comfortable in uncomfortable situations. That was my, like, that was the scariest part of college for me is realizing college was just like high school. Like, yeah. all these people wanted to be popular. Mm-hmm. All these uh, sororities and fraternities, like, people mm-hmm. trying to be the president of the sorority and fraternity. Yeah. Like, you're repeating the same stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's that way in, like, the the real world, too. Like, everybody, mm-hmm. you're trying to impress people. You care about yeah. their opinions. You want to be the cool person, mm-hmm. the person everybody likes. And comedy, too. Exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. we keep repeating high school over and over yeah. again. We and we're supposed to be adults. We gotta be the principal. We gotta, we gotta walk it out, Mr. Belden. That's the key. Yeah, I have a niece right now, and I'm like, to me, that's when people are like their true self. Because my niece mm-hmm. doesn't care about my opinion. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't care about her mom's opinion. She's gonna keep doing. She's gonna mm-hmm. try to crawl towards that light switch and turn it on. Mm-hmm. She don't care about people's opinions. Yeah. She just wants to be her. Mm-hmm. And then as we ingrain her into society, she's gonna start caring about people's mm-hmm. opinion and not do her as much and I'm like that's just the way it works man. yeah it's like you gotta fall to rise occasionally everybody thinks or I guess it's part of life like what if you did raise a kid like, kind of like me like I never gave a fuck about what anybody else said and I'm now unemployable to most people unless it's in art or comedy like me at regular jobs I get kicked out in like three days like they're like feel you smile all day you don't care about what everybody else is doing and, like, when people talk to me about football, I'm just like, I don't care, bro. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on football, mm-hmm. man. 2018 black people pissed me off with football. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't really a fan of football before. Mm-hmm. But for the NFL to come out and be like, look, we really don't like black people. They basically mm-hmm. said it. Yeah. And for you to be like, oh, I still care about what the Cowboys mm-hmm. are doing. You, you sheep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you they don't pay taxes either. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, libertarians hate NFL because, like, in North Carolina, the Panthers are like, we want to get the government to pay half of what the stadium costs because like, it brings in tourist revenue. I was like, no, y'all Panthers, y'all got billions of dollars. Just build your own stadium. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the owners literally said, we do not care about black people. Yeah. And so now, every black person that t- talks to me about the game, I'm just like, I can't help. I'm like, you're a fucking sheep. Like, as, oh, yeah. as much as, you know, the civil rights movement was tough, mm-hmm. the only thing you had to do to, to fight this good fight was to turn off the TV. Yeah. You sheep. You, you, oh, my goodness. You. Gambling, though. That's the only reason I like sports. I'm yeah. trying to get my money out okay. of, like, NBA Celtics games. I watch the NBA. Don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. But. That's all they say about LeBron. Like, when they say, Adam, like, he's thinking about white men are the problem. But this is the NBA is owned by Jews. They said it was anti-Semitic. So they tried to do the same thing they did to R. Kelly to LeBron. But it didn't work because nobody cares. Yeah. It ain't going to work. And Spotify. Like, that's another thing I noticed about R. Kelly. They're like, we're going to take all his music off. I was like, y'all don't pay people anyway. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a big thing. Like, I'm Aerosmith. They do, like, Steven Tyler. Like, we get $2,000 a month. And we got, like, 45 million plays. I was like, Where, where's the bands at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're mm-hmm. not making any money anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the 99 cent for three-month deals. They give you. 
That's what I got. I mean, I, I'm a bank overdraft. As soon as they switched to ten dollars, it was just like you ain't got Spotify no more. Nope. <laughs> well, that's all I have for humor. I'm gonna say, what well, you you have anything else for us? Let's see. I guess you got to close out on your philosophy on comedy. Oh, uh, my philosophy on comedy is do what you think is funny. Uh, I get right now it's 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 supposed to be feedback driven, like. You're you're supposed to to worry about what the audience is thinking, mm-hmm. but like part of me is just like don't worry about that as much. Keep doing what you think is funny because mm-hmm. maybe you'll turn that into funny yeah. as you get better at it. And and right now we're all rookies, so mm-hmm. you should be experimenting, trying new things. Mm-hmm. And then my overall arching point for the whole community is open mics. There should be no. There should be no censorship in open yeah. mics. Like, no one should... If you have ever gone on stage for an open mic, shows, I get it. Like, you and I disagree mm-hmm. about that. But, like, shows, I get it. For an open mic, if you've ever told someone to get off stage, mm-hmm. you are part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're ruining comedy. The only thing you should do is maybe pull someone aside and be like, hey, yo, that p- joke may get you booed off stage if <laughs> you try yeah. that during the show. But, like, it's okay in open mic. I just wouldn't tell mm-hmm. that joke or I'd work on it some more before you pull it out of the show. But open mic, no. No censorship at open mic. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yes. Yeah. That's that's it. That Find was, your uh, niche. That's what it was pretty much. Yeah. Like, avoid mainstream and do what you do till it pops. Like Kanye. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, man. We combined yeah. the two well, shows. We got to yeah. do it again. Mm-hmm. We should do it like every six months or a year. Yeah, yeah. Like, our philosophy As we grow on. I might be in Austin, Texas. Or oh, something. word? Even though I don't want to move there anymore because Alex Jones got kicked off the internet so I can't get a job there. <laughs> Let's end it with that. Work on, be the only black dude on InfoWars. Well, that was the podcast. Sorry for the blank part in the middle. We got a little technical difficulties, but I don't edit anything because this is a free podcast and I don't give a fuck. So, like always, support our sponsors by listening to the entire ad. If you follow me on Anchor, you can be a guest on the podcast. Just set up a time and date, and we can do a phone chat about life, love, and the pursuit of balling. Yeah, I'm a coiner of phrases. You're going to notice that about my comedy is how I like to coin phrases. Yeah. I forgot their actual word for coinage of a new term. It started with an S, and it sounded really cool when a dude posted it on my Facebook page, but... I gotta look it up later. But yeah, thanks again.